Uh, how's it registering up there? You're good? Okay. We're not ready to start recording yet. I'll tell you when to start recording. All right, yes. Well, auctioneer. <laughs> I thought you were going to say auctioneer. <coughs> uh, yeah. Right, so everybody has got had a chance. Uh, let me just get, if you do not have your notes from the first night, raise your hand, you need them. Uh, it, it, bring them next time. We got one. You do not have them from the first night. From the first night. Well, you should keep the pens out, bud. Oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Oh, I hate that eye dilation thing. Unamos. Anybody else need the notes from the first night? Yeah. First night. Uh, just sit right there. And give everybody one of these. This is a supplement to the first night's notes. For whatever reason, it didn't kind of should have copied. That is a supplement to the first night's notes. Once we get to the end of that, I have notes uh, for this evening that well, we'll wait and hand out at that point. So this is a supplement to the first night's notes. It, uh, was it, is it on the back of yours? No, it was, it was on my first draft. Okay, great, great. For some reason, so you may not need it. You may not need it if you got your notes from the first night. Okay, if you've got it. If you've got it from, it, it was on the first, okay, all right, I thought it wasn't. Okay, yeah, okay, good. It was On the set I looked at today, it was not for some reason, so I don't know what happened. Give Dave one just in case. Dave, Dave always wants to be prepared. All right, who will pray as we get started here? Volunteer? All right, let's pray. Close your eyes, please. Will? Amen. All right, somebody got a God story. Anybody got, a, got something neat the Lord has done for you or through you recently? Somebody got a, a God story just kind of get us moving. Something kind of neat that the Lord's done for you or the Lord's done through you? Linda. Praise the Lord. That is awesome. That is fantastic. I haven't looked at your assessment, but I'm thinking evangelists might be on there. Uh, 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 uh. That is fantastic, Linda. Very cool. Somebody, anybody else got a God story? Something neat God has done for you or through you recently? Something, something neat. We can celebrate together. Anybody? 
got a God story. Yeah, it sounds like everybody's that doesn't change the one that comes becomes a manufacturer. Yeah, yeah. Anybody else going once, going twice? Short God story, something the Lord's done for you or through you recently. If not, we'll go ahead and move on and get started. Had several uh, neat stories uh, Wednesday night, so they're winning now. Uh, 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 they're, 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 oh, this is Wednesday night. Sunday night. Sunday night is beating you. Uh, 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 but uh, but yeah, keep, your, keep your eyes open. Part of the, part of the deal is that, that you... you did we talk about this last time, that old uh, Amy Grant song, Angels Watching Over Me? If you remember that song a long time ago, uh, um, kind of the, the part of the thesis of the song is that, that, that God's always taking care of us. He's always looking out for us. He's always active in and around us. We just don't always recognize it. And so part of this exercise is to help us start hunting and looking and, and paying attention so that we can give God the credit for the neat things that he's doing. We don't just say, man, I was lucky. Uh, uh, but we can give God the credit for the neat things he's doing uh, uh, for us or, or, or through us and around us. And also something we're ready to share that with other people. So you're sitting down and you're talking with somebody and they're telling you, you know, they're going through a terrible financial time. And you remember, you've got a story. God, when God took you through a terrible financial time or they're having trouble in, you know, with their children, they're having trouble in their marriage. You've got a story about a time God took care of you with your children. God took care of you through your marriage. And so that's part of the reason we do that. All right, well, we're going to pick up where we left off last time. Which, uh, yeah, not in the house. Mm -mm. Uh, um, so we're going to pick up where we left off last time, which is, uh, on the notes from last time, three basic categories of spiritual gifts. I mentioned to you last time, I'm doing this twice, so I get a little confused on occasion. But I think I, think I mentioned to you. No, you should have brought your notes. You didn't bring your notes from last time? Ugh. Um, so, uh, if you start reading about studying some about spiritual, you're going to find that people who love Jesus and love the Bible don't agree on every aspect of this. And the reason for that is the Bible wasn't written as a textbook on, on these things necessarily, uh, where we find out about these primarily is in pastoral letters, uh, typically where Paul or Peter or guys like that are writing pastoral letters to churches that they're trying to help, uh, uh trying to help work through problems and issues. And, and so that's the, that's the way these things appear to us. They, they show up in that context. And so it's not necessarily A, B, C, and D in a nice outline form. But you will find some disagreement. This is one of those areas where you find a lot of disagreement. I think this is probably the area of the most confusion about spiritual gifts. And so I want to talk to you about it because uh, I think there is a tremendous amount of confusion here. In the Bible, there, there are three basic categories or types of spiritual gifts. And the names we use for them are, uh, you don't find them in the Bible uh, because we apply them to them, uh, but they are related to what's there. And so in your notes, you'll see the three basic categories of spiritual gifts in the New Testament are equipping gifts, motivational gifts, and manifestation gifts. We're going to talk about these very briefly because they are different. They, uh, God has given them to the church for different reasons to fulfill different purposes. And it's important that you understand those differences. Well, I, I showed you the book last time, uh, I think, from uh, uh, Kent Hunter. Uh, really a terrific book. But he doesn't, in my estimation, really doesn't seem to understand these distinctions. And so he has a spiritual gifts assessment that he offers that we chose not to use, in part because uh, I think he confuses these gifts. He treats them all as kind of one giant category of 
and they are in fact very, very different. So if we look at them briefly separately, the first category is what we're calling the uh, uh, ascension gifts or the equipping gifts. And, uh, and they're also referred to as sometimes ascension gifts, depending on who you're reading or who you're listening to. They might be referred to as ascension gifts. And we'll, we'll find out why in a minute, because where you find them in the Bible. Five-fold ministry gifts, depending on the stream of the body of Christ you're used to learning about this from. Or ministry offices. This is the first category. We call them primarily equipping gifts, but all these titles are fine and valuable. And you find them uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. I'll just read the first part of that to you. Uh, it was he, that's Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up now one of the reasons i say there are three distinct categories of spiritual gifts in the new testament is because there are three distinct greek words used for these gifts they are not the same word we use the word gift but the bible uses very specific words for each of these and in this case if you notice on your notes the key word here uh, uh oh i have that oh i have it for your notes is the word domata it very simply means something given. It's the most basic word for gift in the entire New Testament. In English, we get the word gift from the verb give. A gift just means something that's given. In Greek, domata comes from the Greek verb give. Uh, and so it simply means something given. It, all it means, nothing special, not a lot of uh, a revelation. There. But that's the word used here uh, for these equipping gifts. Now, I mentioned in your notes that they are not, and you can fill in the blanks here, these gifts are not universally given. What I mean by that is all of you don't have one of these. Most people don't have one of these. Most Christians don't have one of these. These are given specifically to however many people the Lord determines to give them to, to function for the function of equipping and training the church to do the work of the ministry. And, and, and Paul, listen, they're apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher there is sometimes people call ministry offices they, they stand in, in a sort of a governmental function within the church so only some people have these they are not universally given not everyone has one most people in fact do not the next thing i want you to know is that these gifts are residential this is a these are terms i'm going to use for all these categories to help you distinguish them they're residential. What I mean by that is they're always there. If you have one of these gifts, if you're gifted by God as an apostle, if you're gifted by God as a pastor, if you're gifted by God as a teacher or an evangelist in a five-fold sense, in an equipping gift sense, that gift is always present and always operational. As someone who's gifted with a pastor-teacher gift, no matter where I go, that gift is with me. It goes with me. It travels with me. So if I'm on vacation or if I'm somewhere else, no matter where I go, the gift this particular gift is always present and always operational. It's always accessible. It is a residential gift. Once you have it, it's always there. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Uh, they're given by the Lord to certain people to train and equip the church, to train and equip the rest of us to do the work of the ministry. Well, we're, gonna, we're not going to really spend any time on these in this study because they're not covered in the gifts assessment that you use because, frankly, 
Very few people have these, and it would not be worth our time to spend a lot of time on it. However, I will tell you that these gifts matter immensely for your development and maturation in the Lord. You need to receive ministry from gifts so you can grow up and know how to move on and do the work of the ministry. These gifts, these equipping gifts, are not given to do the work of the ministry. That's not what they're there for. They're given to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Now, you know, we're putting all this study of gifts in a kingdom of God context because we want to do a better job of de developing a kingdom culture and functioning like we're supposed to function in the kingdom of God. Sadly, my, my contention is that for a very long time now, the church has abandoned a kingdom culture, and we don't do the things the, the way God designed us to do them. We do them in a church culture that we developed on our own. It's a churchy, non-biblical way of doing things. And, and an awful lot of what we do, maybe the vast majority of what Christians do today in churches, is from a non-kingdom culture. And so uh, some, a long time ago, in the church, we developed a professional ministry mentality. And so we determined the, the professionals, the guys, you know, we pay. Uh, in most churches, we call them pastors. But some place, you know, you got Billy Graham, he's an event. We're going to pay these guys. And, and they're the professionals. And they're going to go do the work of the ministry. And we're going to come every Sunday and listen nicely and, and applaud. And, and, and that is not kingdom culture. That's not the way Jesus designed the church to work. That's not at all how it's supposed to function. This professional ministry mentality is contrary to God's design. God's design is these guys equip all of us to go do the work of the ministry. And so we busy ourselves moment by moment, day by day, wherever Jesus sows us. We take the gifts we've been given and we do the work of the ministry to advance the kingdom of God. To introduce people to Jesus, to fulfill the great commission, to bless the folks around us. And, and, and these guys are there not to do that work. We, we don't pay the professionals to go to the hospital and do the hospital visits and to win the lost and to counsel people who are, are, are you know, uh, having challenges. But we're all supposed to be doing that stuff. These guys train and equip us and empower us and inspire us and release us to do that as we're gifted and anointed by God to do it. Now, uh, some time ago, the church began to rebel against this professional ministry mentality, and, and, and we went exactly to the other end of the spectrum and said, the, the, you know, none of these are important. Everybody's the same. There's no difference one to the other. I can preach just as good as anybody else. I ought to be up there teaching every Sunday or whatever. And, and these things aren't, and, and, and that's just as bad and just as wrong because that's also not how the kingdom was designed to work. These are set up and instituted within the church for a certain governing, training, equipping responsibility within the church. And we need them. So the key is to understand their proper function and their proper role. Um, uh, uh, and, and to, to appreciate them for what they're there to do. Not to try and have them do all the work of the ministry and not to try and say you don't matter at all, nobody's any different, but to let them do their job of training and equipping us. Uh, Ephesians, back, but right before Paul lists these uh, equipping gifts, he says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit. There is only one church, there, there, but it's made, it's made up of individuals, but it's not about individuals. It's about this people God is creating. These gifts are meant to function together, work together to accomplish the purpose of God. He goes on, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. There's one church, but we've all been gifted differently. We've all been graced differently to do the work of the kingdom of God. Uh, and then he goes on and explains. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, 
some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may build up. That's the function of these gifts. The next category of spiritual gifts you find in the New Testament are typically often referred to as motivational gifts. We find these primarily in Romans chapter 12. It says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. These are often referred to as motivational gifts uh, because they tend to kind of motivate you. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I prefer to call them minister graces. We'll also talk about that in a minute. But these are primarily the gifts you were assessed on. Is ever here taking the ministry? We had right at 100 people taking the ministry. If you've not done that yet, please do. But these are primarily the gifts you were assessed on in that tool, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Well, let's look at your notes. First, these gifts are universally given. Every Christian, every single Christian has one or more of them. Every Christian has one. They're given to every believer at new birth. When you're born the first time, you're born in the world with certain natural talents and abilities. Some people are born with a natural aptitude for music. Some are born with a natural aptitude for words. Some are born with a natural athleticism. Some are born with a natural aptitude for mathematics. People are born with different, the first time you're born, you're born with natural talents and abilities. When you're born again, you're born with supernatural gifts. These, specifically, these gifts, these motivational gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so everybody who's born again has one or more of these. They are residential as well. What I mean by that is they're always there and they're always operational. If you have a motivational gift of teaching, you're apt to teach no matter where you are. It's there. It's always present. In fact, you probably almost can't help yourself. If you know somebody that's gifted to teach and you say, hey, what time is it? They'll tell you how to build a clock because they can't help themselves. They want to explain. They go into detail. They they go way all around the question because they want to know everything they know about whatever it was you asked. It is always present with them. These are residential gifts. The key Greek word here, these are not called domata. These are called charismata. Uh, uh, It's where we get the word charismatic or charismatics. Uh, uh, the root word here is charis, which means what? Anybody? Grace. And so I prefer to call these ministry graces. I think that's the best way to understand these gifts. They're unique graces from God, unique graces given to you by the Holy Spirit to empower you for ministry. And if you're born again, you've got some of these. And in fact, what, we, what you really want to pay attention to is the fact that you have a mix of these, what sometimes referred to as a gift mix. And so when you, got, when you did your assessment, it returned your results to you, and then there was one place where it gave you the top three, if you, if you paid attention. The three gift areas where you were the strongest. And those blend together and work together to help make you the unique vessel of the kingdom of God you've been created and blessed to be. And they're different. So, so, so maybe you have a shepherding gift, a strong shepherding gift. And with that, you also have a strong mercy gift. I want to tell you, someone with a strong shepherding gift and a strong mercy gift is going to shepherd very differently 
than someone with a strong shepherding gift and a strong prophecy gift. They're both going to shepherd. And they're going to shepherd well. They're going to shepherd with supernatural grace, supernatural ability, supernatural power to shepherd. But the person with a shepherd mercy gift is going to shepherd very differently than a person with a shepherd, shepherd prophecy gift. So you want to pay attention to this mix. And as we're going to learn to this tonight a little bit and, and all next week, we're going to look at each one of these different gifts and say what they mean and how they function and how they interact and how sometimes they clash and, and, and to begin to figure out more, discern more, and learn more how God has uniquely to bless the world and win the world for Jesus. Because you are uniquely wired by God to bless the world and win the world for Jesus. So I call these ministry graces because they are special grace from God to be able to minister. Uh, by the way, they're, they're listed in Romans uh, 12, prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, exhort, or, or exhorting, giving leadership, or administration, and mercy. It's very likely that this gift is not exhaustive. Um, there are places, for example, in the Bible that hospitality is listed as a gift from God. I, and I've seen people with a unique grace for being hot. We're all supposed to be hospitable. But you probably know someone with a real grace for that. I mean, they just love having people over and making food for 50 people, and, and, and they do it, and they're happy. You do it, and you're angry, but you still do it because we're all supposed to be hospitable, right? But if you've got, but, but so there, there's indication, and I think it's in your notes, 1 Peter 4, 9, and 10. Do I have that in your notes for you? Craftsmanship. If you go back to the Old Testament, God tells the people, listen, he said, I'm uniquely gifted. I've uniquely graced this handful of men. He actually calls them by name. He said, I've given them a special grace for craftsmanship and artisanship. And I have given them a special grace and anointing to make beautiful things for my tabernacle. Beautiful things to adorn the house of God. And it was a special grace, a unique grace from God. So very likely the Romans 12 list is not exhaustive, uh, but it is a helpful starting place. In fact, in the assessment we gave you, in addition to these, we included evangelism and shepherding as grace gifts uh, um, that are there. The third category uh, uh, are what we call the manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are found in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. These are the ones that oftentimes get a lot of attention and create a lot of controversy. There are whole segments of the church that don't even believe these are there anymore. Um, but here's what it says. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To the one that is given through the Spirit, the message of wisdom. Uh, to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. To still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He uh, determines. Now, the key Greek word here is phanerosis. Yep, there it is, phanerosis. It literally means manifestation. It's the perfect word. What a surprise. God chose the perfect word to explain what's going on here. I'll talk about this in a minute. But listen, when we talk about healing and prophecy and, and, and um, tongues and, and working in miracles, these are what typically people refer to as the charismatic gift of the Holy Spirit. Guess what? The word charismata is not applied to them. In the New Testament, charismata is the word for 12 gifts these are not called charismata these are called phanerosis 
Completely different word, completely different meaning, and, and it helps us understand. What do you need to know? First, these gifts are universal in this sense. They are available to any follower of Jesus. Circle the word available in your notes and circle the word any follower. I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're born again, then God would love to, the Holy Spirit would love to operate some of these gifts through you. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, you should eagerly desire them. You should want them and long for them and pursue them and ask for them and seek them and eagerly desire to operate in these manifestation gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're available to any believer as the Spirit of God wills and as the situation requires. Listen, that's because they are not residential. Everybody say not. These gifts are not residential. Tremendous confusion here in the church, especially in the charismatic and Pentecostal church. If you come up to me and say, I have the gift of healing, I have the gift of discerning of spirits, I have the gift of faith, I'm going to say, I'm sorry, no you don't. These gifts are not residential. They don't, they're not always there. They're not always present. They're not even called gifts. They are manifestations of the Spirit of God. Something will happen, you go along and somebody's sick and all of a sudden there's grace from the Holy Spirit to lay hands on them and they're better. And then that grace isn't there anymore. It comes and it goes. It manifests. It is a manifestation of the presence and the power and the wisdom and the knowledge of the Spirit of God. And it comes as the Spirit wills and as the situation requires. They're not superpowers. If they were residential and you had the gift of healing, that means you can walk around and touch anybody you want to and heal them. That's in X-Men. That is not in the Bible. That's not how these things work. These are not gifts of a residential sort. They are, they are momentary manifestations of the presence and the power and the wisdom and the knowledge of the Spirit of God. Oftentimes, they're a little more spectacular than the others. No more super, listen, this is no more supernatural than the others. But they are a little bit more attention-grabbing. And often they're used to open people up to the gospel or to meet powerful needs in a powerful way, in a dramatic way. So Nathaniel... <clears throat> God comes and says, Nathaniel, we found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel, being the good skeptic that he is, said, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. You might as well tell me you found the Messiah in Boger City or Frog Pond, North Carolina. They, they don't, they, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And so Jesus walks up to him and says, oh, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no God. He said, how do you know me? He said, i tell you the truth. I saw you under the tree before your brother came over and spoke to you. He said, wait a minute. How did you know that? You're the Son of God. Uh, all of a sudden, Jesus told him something he could not have known naturally. Uh, John chapter, that's John chapter 1. John chapter 4, there's this woman from Samaria who wants to get in a theological argument with Jesus. He says, I tell you what, why don't you just go get your husband? I believe that was a word of wisdom. Because he's sitting on a word of knowledge that he's wanting to get into. And so he says, why don't you go get your husband? She said, well, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with right now, you're shacking up because you're not married to him. She said, sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. <laughs> it's a word of knowledge. It's right. The Holy Spirit shows up and says, I'm here, and I know you. And he doesn't know you, but I do. He's never seen you before. But let me tell you some things about you no one could possibly know except by the presence of the Spirit of God. And then it's over. Jesus didn't walk around just telling everybody what they were doing. It was a manifestation of the presence and the power and the knowledge of the Spirit of God. They're manifestations. They come and they go as the Spirit. Luke 5, 17 says, there's a time Jesus, and it says, the, 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 the power of the Lord 
was present for him to heal them. Which suggests to me there were times the power of the Lord was not present for him to heal them. But in this case, the, the, the Spirit manifested himself in, in the power to heal. And so Jesus started healing people. There are times he could not heal many people because of their lack of faith. I assume also the Spirit was not manifesting in that way at that time. Um, so they're subject to the will of the Holy Spirit and the need of the moment. First uh, Corinthians 12, 11, is that in your notes? All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. He gives them to each one as he wills. Now it appears that these gifts begin to flow more freely after someone has acknowledged the baptism of the Holy Spirit, acknowledged the presence and the, and the filling work of the Spirit of God in their lives, that I believe every follower of Jesus has the right to ask for and seek and eagerly pursue these gifts. Um, and there we are. And that is that. Is that the end of the notes you have from last time? All right, can I have a helper here real quick? Or maybe two. Yeah, how'd you score on that? I'm sure you scored well. <laughs> so here's a new set of notes for tonight. Just caught up with last time. What's the next slide, Aaron? Let me see that. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Did Paul and Will are giving you something or what? I don't know. There, there, there's like three or four pages here front and back, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah. You'll figure it out in a minute, hopefully. Are you on the page that starts, Alex, at the top? Uh, no spiritual gifts are, are blank. Okay, I don't know how that happened. Do you have a whole page full of stuff? Well, give another set right here real quick. All right, so we're going to keep moving. Um, so we're about to talk about individual gifts, the ones that you uh, were assessed on, and we're going to do that over the course of the next, um, tonight and the next time, and we're not going to finish. Uh, uh, I, I planned on three weeks before I laid out the teaching, and, well, sorry. So uh, um, first thing, you know, spiritual gifts are gifts. Put that in your notes. They're freely given by the Holy Spirit. They come to you like every good thing from God comes to you by grace through faith. You don't earn it. You don't buy it. You're not good enough for it. You're not holy enough for it. In, uh, in the book of Acts, uh, uh, Peter lifts up this guy from the ground uh, at the gate. Beautiful. He starts. He's healed. He's crippled. He couldn't do anything. He's, now he's healed. He's jumping around. And a crowd gathers, and Peter says to them, Why do you look at us as if by our own power or holiness... This man were made whole. Peter says, this has got nothing to do with me. It's not my power. It's not my holiness. I didn't earn this. I couldn't pay for this. I could not make this happen on my own. This is a gift from God. And, that, and all gifts from God come by grace and are received by faith. That's how God works. That's how the kingdom works. So you don't earn these. And that means the spiritual gifts are not. Please write it down. They are not indications of spiritual maturity personal holiness or strength of character 
You may have a whiz-bang gift of prophecy or a whiz-bang gift of evangelism and still be really, really messed up. Because these aren't earned. These aren't earned. And that means they're not indications of spiritual maturity, personal holiness, or strength of character. Now, does it say this in your notes? You can and you should grow and develop and mature in your use of the gift, your knowledge of the gift, your understanding of the gift, your skill in the gift. If God's invested, because remember, he doesn't give these really, he invests them. He's looking for a return. We talked about that the first night. He's looking for a return on this investment. If he's invested a, a, a charismata, a grace for teaching in you, you need to work on that. You need to study and develop and, and look for opportunities to employ it and get better at it. And after you teach, you need to go back and say, how can I have done that better? Nobody seemed to understand a thing I said uh, tonight. Why is that? How can I do better? And develop that. If you have a gift for serving, develop it. Work. If you have a gift for uh, 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 exhorting, get better at it. Don't be so clumsy with it. D learn to discern when's a good time to exhort and when's a time to kind of lay back and be quiet. Develop those gifts. You can develop skill. You can't earn a gift. It's a gift. But you can absolutely, and you must, if you take this as a trust from God, you must take it seriously and develop skill and ability and maturity in the use of the gift. You do that by diligence and persistence and attention and, and effort. It's particularly easy to do that, or particularly important that you do that with your residential gifts. Uh, um, you can also do it with the manifestation gifts. One of the keys to the, operating in the manifestation gifts, you know, prof, the pro, manifestation gift of prophecy or healing or discerning of spirits or word of wisdom or word of knowledge, is uh, you need to be able to recognize the presence of that gift when it shows up. I'm going to tell you, most of you, have had prophetic words, words of knowledge, words of uh, wisdom, discerning of spirits, gifts of faith, and it came, and you thought, oh, that's just me. Oh, that's just crazy. You know, that, that's just pizza. And what you've got to do, what would you say? Chinese. That's just Chinese. That's even worse than pizza sometimes. Uh, uh, but what, so what we've got to learn to do is take this seriously, these are the gifts of God. They're good. He only gives good gifts. He doesn't give bad gifts. And we take it seriously to learn and grow and develop. And when I first had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, serious encounter with the Holy Spirit a number of years ago, I asked, well, I want to learn how to hear your voice. I want to walk in connection with the Holy Spirit, and I want to understand spiritual authority. And God took me, allowed me to make about 20 years' worth of mistakes in about five years. But I was serious about learning how to function in these. I, I get paid to go chair meetings uh, uh, for people you know their names all over the place uh and you know how i learned parliamentary procedure when i was in college i thought i'll learn how to do this and, and so i was a freshman i was involved in an organization that did it and i said and i just i got a, i bought a copy of the book and i went to every meeting and started making motions i got ruled out of order ten thousand times in one semester but by the second semester i was dangerous and the next year i got elected governor of north carolina's college students and I chaired all the meetings around the state of North Carolina for the brightest parliamentary minds in the state for, for a couple of years. And now they pay me to do it. But I learned by getting it wrong over by trying it. And then paying attention. Why was that wrong? 
Why was that out of order? And that's also how we learned some of these things. I'll give you a quick story. Years ago, when I was head of school here at Resurrection Christian School, I also uh, coached the basketball team. There's a young man on my team. I really felt like we weren't connecting. I wanted to develop a better relationship with him. So I wasn't married yet. I, I, I got two tickets to a Hornets game. I said, hey, I asked his parents, can I take him to a Hornets game? They said, sure. So uh, I was going to meet him over here to go to the Hornets game. It was bitterly cold, bitterly cold. I was leaving my, uh, my condo to come over here to meet him. And I'm walking out the door, and I have this thought, you ought to take your spare set of keys. I thought, that's just stupid. I got keys in my hand. Why would I take a spare set of keys? That just doesn't make any sense. And I started to continue walking at the door, and it came again. You really ought to take your spare set of keys. And I had been doing this for a while. And I thought, that might be God. So I went and got my spare set of keys, dropped my coat pocket, went on, came over here, picked up the boy, went, we drove, the horns were playing out on Tyvola Road at the time, bitterly cold, we're sitting, we're talking, we're cutting up, we're having a good time, get out of the car, I'm walking up to, uh, um, walking up to the stadium, put my hands down in my pocket because it's cold, and I realized my keys aren't in my pocket. I thought, oh, my goodness. We walked back to my car. I had left the keys in my car, very diligently locked the door, and left the car running with the keys in it. Because I was talking, we were cut out, paying attention, locked, locked my keys in the car with my car running, which is terrible, except I had a spare set of keys in my coat pocket. Never been more excited in my life to lock my keys in my car. Another story, I was chairing one of these meetings years ago, and uh, I was walking out the door to the meeting, I had this thought, you ought to take your gavel with you. I thought, that's crazy, they always have gavels for me, I don't need to do that. And started to go out the door again, same thought, you ought to take your gavel with you. I thought, that may be the Lord. Went back, got my gavel, drove over to Myers Park High School, walked in the door, the lady who's in charge of everything, who hired me to come and run the meeting, is in a just absolute dither panic. Uh, I walked up to her, and I said, what's going on? She said, we forgot the gavel. I said, well, don't worry, I've got one. You can get better at this, but it takes effort and attention and, and time. And some of it, you try it and you're wrong. You think, why was that wrong? For, one time I was right, this time I was wrong. What's the difference? And you talk to Jesus about that, and you develop skill and ability in these gifts. Uh, also, uh, even regarding the motivational gifts, uh, um, a, a, I don't think I've got this in a year, I don't know. But a good coach can tell that sometimes one motivational gift is needed, sometimes a different one's needed. Say you're, say you're coaching a basketball team and, and you got a kid, and really what he needs at that moment is to be exhorted. He, he needs you to drive him up and say, you can do this. You got this, man. Come on. You, are, you, are, you have got this. He just needs to be exhorted. Sometimes what he really needs to be is taught. And so you call him over and say, listen, you're working hard. You're doing great. But you've got to get your hands up when you close out on the shooters. You're closing out like this. Get your hands like this. It's going to be a whole lot better. And so sometimes he needs to be taught. Sometimes he needs to be administrated. And what's really going on, he's closing out really hard, but you're in the wrong defense. And you need to move out of a 2-3 into a 3-2 zone, and the whole situation needs to be administrated. But it takes skill and attention to know which of these gifts is really the appropriate one to apply in this situation. And uh, uh, you can develop that over time. So, um, what's next? Uh, the, the, the ones you were assessed on primarily, the ones we call motivational gifts, I call them ministry graces. They're called motivational gifts primarily because they move, inspire, or motivate you. You like them. You, because God designed you to use them. God hardwired it into you. Man, if you're a teacher, you love teaching. You can't stop teaching. If you're an exhorter, you just love exhorting people. You can't stop it. It's who you are. It's how you talk. If you're a server, you just you, you love it. You get energy from it and fulfillment from it. Again, I prefer to call them ministry graces because it's grace from God to uh, minister.
Uh, real quick, let me just show you in the Bible some of the uh, where one of these distinctions. I take for example the gift of prophecy. It actually shows up in all three categories. There's an equipping gift of prophet. There is a, a, a motivational gift of prophecy, a ministry of grace of prophecy, and then there is a manifestation gift of prophecy. Where do we find them in the Bible? Well, in Acts uh, chapter uh, 11, uh, verses 27 to 28, and in Acts cha uh, 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 chapter 21, verses 10 and 12, for example, you find a guy called in the Bible Agabus the prophet. So Agabus stands in the ministry office of prophet. He has received this prophet gift. He is an equipper, trainer, uh, uh, part of the governmental role and function that Jesus put in the church to help train and equip and, and, and run the church. Agabus stands in that gift. Acts 15.32, you find Judas and Silas are prophets. Now, in addition to that, you find in 1 Corinthians 12, anybody can prophesy and, in fact, should ask to. So where do you find this motivational gift, this ministry grace of prophet? Well, I believe you find that also in Acts chapter uh, uh, 21, verses 8 and 9, where you're introduced to Philip's daughters. And the evangelist, ascension gift, equipment gift, evangelist Philip, has some unmarried daughters, the Bible says. King James says, which did prophesy? NIV says, who prophesied? They're not, if your translation calls them prophetesses, it's a bad translation. It's not what it says in the Greek. They're not called prophets. They're not called prophetesses. They, uh, uh, they stand in that office, but apparently they have an unusual grace for prophecy, and so they operate in that grace consistently. And so they were recognized as his daughters who prophesied. This is a regular part of how they brought the kingdom of God, how they blessed people, how they're used by God to bring the kingdom of God into uh, the world. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, each of these uh, manifestational gifts, you, you, uh, motivational gifts, you don't have all of them, but all of them have an accompanying role that you are responsible for. If you're not gifted as a teacher, there's still going to be times in your life you're going to have to teach. Uh, uh, um, you're going to disciple people and need to instruct them. You, you might have children. You're going to need to instruct them in some things. Uh, your job may require you to teach somebody how to do. You're going to have to teach even if you're not really a gifted teacher. We talked a little bit about playing out of position last time. Each of these has a role you should be looking for. You, just because you're not gifted uh, motivationally to give doesn't mean you don't give, right? Or service, you don't serve. So let's take a quicker look at each of these. We'll start with the gift of prophecy. There it is. Uh, how many of you scored high, reasonably high, in this gift? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I think the assessment we used doesn't entirely appreciate this gift uh, uh, exactly, uh, but it is helpful, and I do think uh, generally uh, useful. Do I have a definition there for you in your notes? Okay. It's the unique ministry grace given by God to some people, some Christians. Remember, uh, spiritual gifts, as we're talking about here, are only given to Christians because they're for the advancement of the kingdom of God, uh, to speak forth the word of God with unusual clarity, power, and effect. It may involve either forth-telling, declaring God's thoughts and will, or foretelling. Declaring something that will come. Agabus at one point says, hey, there's this huge famine coming. And nobody ever argued. They didn't have a discussion. They didn't inquire with the weatherman. They just started taking an offering. They, this guy's a prophet. He's demonstrated some accuracy in this area. We think there's a famine coming. And so they started taking, he also prophesied the arrest of the Apostle Paul. He said, this is what's going to happen when you go. They're going to arrest you. They're going to bind your hands. And, and they, so some of it is foretelling. 
but some of it is also forthcoming. Someone asked, uh, this is Wednesday night, I don't know what day it is. It is when it's, uh, in the Sunday night class, I mean, asked, what's the difference between uh, prophecy and, and fortune telling? And, and the answer is Jesus. Uh, uh, um, it's the purpose and the point and, and, and the source of that gift. Now, so the devil uh, uh, absolutely uh, twists and, 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 and fakes uh, the, the real things of God. And if you remember the, in the book of Acts, there's this woman who, who, had, who had a spirit of divination, and she was a slave girl, if you remember the story, and, uh, and she would tell people's fortunes and stuff, and Paul got mad at her and cast a demon out of her, and she couldn't do it anymore. And, and, then her, and then the guy got mad, and the guy that owned her got mad and turned the whole city against Paul uh, for wrecking his business. But, but spiritual gifts come from the Holy Spirit. They're cleaning for the advancement of the kingdom of God and the glorification of Jesus. Demonic counterfeits are for deception and, and oftentimes for personal gain and personal abuse. Uh, um, so they are real. If you remember the Old Testament, Pharaoh's magicians copied a couple of those miracles of, of Moses before they finally got to a point and said, we can't do that. That's the finger of God, they said. So there's also a qualitative difference between, between a real work of the Holy Spirit and a work of the enemy. Um, but the enemy does try to um, counterfeit these things on occasion. Like, oh, yes, sir. That's fantastic. You know, I, I, it's to some because I've looked at a bunch of people's scores, and it really appears to be kind of relative. Uh, like some people, all their scores are kind of grouped. Like no, they got nothing out of the teens, and so and so in that case, 17, 16 is maybe their high. Uh, there are people with you know twenty somethings and single digits. You know, and so it's, it's sort of relative to that. So what they've done for you on the assessment tool we use is they just took your three highest and gave those to you. Um, but some people are more kind of kind of rounded, just like people naturally may, are, are more rounded in some of these things, and other people are really more squared. I don't know, I don't know how to cubed. I don't know what they are, uh, where they where they're really strong in some areas and really weak in others, and, and it just kind of depends. Um, so I would say, but I would say sixteen and above is considered high, 15, you know, and then I would say t twelve and below is probably considered low, um, but. Uh, but it is somewhat relative to how you did in all of them. The gifts of prophecy, if, you're, if you've scored in that, uh, high in that, uh, uh, requires something to operate in. Anybody want to guess what it is? You don't even have to guess. It's right there in the Bible. It says, if, if prophesying, then, anybody know the scripture from Romans 12? If, you, if a man's gift is prophesying, let him prophesy. What? Let him prophesy. According to his faith, according to the measure of faith, he has been given. So, next slide. Uh, like all the gifts, it requires faith to function in whatever your gift is. To, to function in the way God, wa God wants you to do it. If your gift is given, man, he wants you to give in faith. If your gift is served, he wants you to serve in faith. That you believe, man, I'm not just toiling. I am advancing the kingdom of God with supernatural grace. He wants you to believe that and have faith. As you go out to advance the kingdom of God and fulfill the Great Commission and use your gifts, it's not just doing stuff. You're not just hoping this is going to work. He wants you to do it in faith. Believe that God is behind this. God has equipped you. God has anointed you to do this with unique grace and power. Now, the gift of prophecy has both a preventive and a corrective function. The preventive comes on the front side. So I say, yeah, I really, I want to encourage you. I've had this, this happens a lot. 
in, in my ministry has happened a lot of years. Well, God will just put me in connection with people right before something crazy is about to happen. And, and, and I mean, I, I can tell you stories. People have had conversations with people, and they ended up on the front page of the newspaper several times uh, 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 for not doing what I suggested that they do on occasion. It's just crazy stuff. There is a preventive function to this gift where, where God sends it in advance to say, hey, you know, you're, you're, you, I really want to encourage you. You need to straighten up, fly right, or you need to get out of this relationship, or you need to do whatever. There's also a corrective function, which is kind of ex post facto, uh, 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 and it comes in and says, you know, here's what's going on, and, and we really need to fix this. But, but, but there's a preventive and a corrective function to the gift. They're both valuable. I prefer the preventive whenever possible. Uh, prophecy is a truth-oriented gift. All these gifts, I'll tell you, there's a general orientation to them. A couple of these gifts are truth-oriented. Some of them are people-oriented. Some of them are task-oriented. And, and, and I, I mention that because this is where people get mad at each other. Uh, um, because these things motivate you and move you, and they're deep, hardwired into you. And so if you're really driven by truth, sometimes you struggle with people who are really, you know, but they feel bad. And, and people who are really motivated by, uh, uh, or people motivated, will struggle with that. Uh, gift of prophecy is a truth-oriented gift. This orientation may lead it to into places of confusion and with people who are mercy or shepherd oriented because those are people oriented gifts and oftentimes the person with a prophetic gift if he's immature in his gift now part of the reason for this class is to grow us up because i'm going to tell you a whole bunch i might even say the vast majority of conflict and hurt and anger and argument and offense in the church is over immaturity over spiritual gifts I've got an orientation, I've got a way of looking at things, and you don't look at it like I do, and you hurt my feelings because you don't. Or you make me mad because you don't. Or I think you're messed up because you don't. And immaturity in the area of spiritual gifts may be the number one cause of conflict and hurt and offense and disagreement and problems in the church. So we want to get over that. And so recognize right up front, there's a natural clash sometimes between someone with a prophetic gift and a mercy or shepherding gift which you got to grow out of. you got to grow up and recognize that and be mature. There's also a natural class, interestingly, between people with prophetic gifts and people with teaching gifts. They're both truth-oriented, but they approach it in very different perspectives. And, uh, and the teacher is, it's in the Bible, so you got to show it to me in the Bible, you've got to show it to the prophetic person says, I'm telling you that God's saying this. I don't care, you got to show it to me in the Bible. I'm telling you God's saying it. And then they be, well, you know, your, you know, your doctrine's all messed up. Yeah, well, you don't know Jesus. And, 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 and they're both truth-motivated. But because they approach it from a 180-degree different pr perspective sometimes, they can clash if we're not careful. Uh, the gift of prophecy involves both insight and utterance. It is a speaking-oriented gift. And, and, and so the insight part means that people with these gifts will often appear unusually intuitive. They, they, um, they, they can't even necessarily always explain why they know what they know, why they believe what they believe, why they're convinced. What they, but, but they're usually right. How does that happen? It's a gift. It's, they have this insight, this revelatory gift at work in them, and so they will often appear unusually intuitive. On the other hand, because it is a word-oriented and utterance-oriented gift, they will often be unusually verbal as well. 
uh, they will not typically be the quietest person in, in, in the room. Um, they will often see or feel or otherwise sense the heart of the mind or, or, or the desire or the thinking of God in the situation. Again, can't always explain it, but because they have this intuitive sort of Holy Spirit-driven sensing, seeing, feeling, connection with it, uh, they will feel it very passionately. And so people with prophetic gifts tend to communicate. Not only are they communicative, they communicate with passion. They communicate uh, uh, with intensity. Uh, because they just, they're feel, they're not just telling you something they think. They're telling you something they feel very deeply and are convinced is true. And what they care about is truth. And, and so when they communicate, they tend to communicate with tremendous passion um, and uh, uh, that can be uh, a big, big, big deal, let's see. Um, there's also often a sense of urgency to what they have to say, which also drives them to be a little bit more passionate in how they speak, a little more urgent in how they speak. And they may come off, as a result, as pushy. Uh, I'm going to tell you, this gift, more than any of the others, requires a high level of personal sanctification because... Uh, without maturing in this gift, uh, you'll, you're going to be lonely. And, and, and I would even say part of, the, part, of the, part of the training program for people who are prophetically oriented and prophetically gifted is a long period of loneliness while you're developing maturity in that gift. Because there's a long period of time that people can't take you, and it, it may be your fault. Some of it may be their fault. But people who are, are particularly immature in this gift are hard to take. And so relationships can be challenging. And if they don't mature and the people around them don't mature, they can have a relatively lonely life. For people with this gift, there is a constant tension between what they see or hear or believe God is wanting, God is doing, what they keep encountering on earth. It's like you look up into heaven and, man, this is great, and you look back down here and this really rocks. And, and, you, and you, you try and communicate what you're seeing and everybody gets mad at you or they don't understand or they want to argue. And, 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 and so there is this what I call prophetic tension that is, that is fairly consistent with this gift. Uh, it, it's looking at and into and sensing the heart of God, the desire of God, the, the plan A of God and trying to work with that and, you know, we're down here somewhere around plan Z after the fall. And, and that's, there's a tension there that is, uh, uh, can, be, can be challenging uh, and, and also painful. I call it a prophetic tension. So what are some of the challenges of this particular gift? Uh, people with a prophetic orientation tend to have very high standards for the reason I just talked about. And if they're not careful, that can move into perfectionism. It's a danger. It's a challenge for if you're gifted this way, you can have a tendency to be perfectionistic. You need to be aware of that. It's a problem. Loneliness, lack of relationship. I already mentioned it. These people are hard to deal with sometimes, particularly while they're developing uh, some level of maturity. And so loneliness is a big deal. Uh, lack of relationships can be a big deal. Uh, number three, they can really have find a place where they have way too much confidence in their own revelation. What happens is they, they've heard from God and they're right, and they've heard from God and they're right, and they've heard from God and they're right, so they assume they're always right. And these guys have a tendency 
to assume they're always right. And part of that is because they, they have a gift from God, and they hear from God with some, love, some unusual level of regularity. It's unusual. That means they're right a lot, a lot. When people argue with them, they, it turns out that they're right. And if they don't mature, they can just assume they're always right. Nobody's always right but Jesus. And so then they can become way too confident in their own insight, way too confident in their own revelation, and, and jump to conclusions and, and, and not be very uh, able to listen to other inputs. Impatience is a challenge with this gift. Because uh, um, there's that sense of urgency, that sense of I know what God's wanting to do, I'm to go do this, and immaturity will lead to impatience in that. Next. Uh, temptations to avoid, and, and we'll close up with this because uh, I want to be faithful to our time, or I think we'll, we'll try and close this up real quickly. Um, speaking forth opinions that are yours and not God's. The, the, real, the temptation is to mistake the two. Again, people with a real prophetic gift, a real grace from God to hear from God, they're going to hear from God a lot. And so they're, they're used to hearing from God. But sometimes they're going to think they heard from God and they're going to be wrong. And, and so they've got to be very careful not to mistake the two and, and, and take these things back, Lord, to make sure you're right. Next, speaking where you have no legitimate authority, call a relationship. Uh, uh, um, people with a, a sense of, I know what God wants, uh, uh, if they don't mature in that gift, will speak into situations that they don't have any, any biblical or spiritual place to speak into. There's no authority for it, or there's no call to do it, or, there's, or the relationship's not there for it. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't really know you, but I'm pretty sure, you know, you're, you've got a heart full of adultery. So can we just, uh, uh, um, sir, uh, 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 and, and, and may have fries with that. Uh, uh, um, yeah, that's probably not going to go over well unless I mean, you better be dead on. You better have a name. <laughs> uh, you know, her name's Gertrude. Uh, 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 I, mean, I mean, you better have something real specific before you just kind of launch into that. But there's a tendency to um, speak where they have no authority, call a relationship. Uh, there's a tendency to get angry especially with those who do not agree with them or respond to them. There's a, that, that impatience can move over into, you know, you're just messed up. You need to listen to get it with the program. Uh, next. Um, this is a real challenge for people with a prophetic gift. They, they, oftentimes they will assume an authority that's not their own. Uh, typically, particularly in the Old Testament, the prophets were rarely in positions of authority. Prophets were typically there to advise the king. King had the decision-making authority. The prophet was there to just share the word of the Lord, but it was still the decision was still the king's. And, and so people uh, uh, will assume an authority. I've, I've, I feel like I've got the word of the Lord. Well, you might. And so if I go to, you know, maybe I'm at someone else's church, and I go to the pastor, and I say, you know, I, the, I feel like the Lord is saying, you know, you need to shut down your, your uh, early service and start a Tuesday night service. Uh, uh, um, and they don't listen. They get to listen or not. But immature prophetic people want to overstep and, and make things, make people do. And oftentimes they'll try and worm their way into positions of authority that they're not called to because they get frustrated when people don't listen. And by the way, people regularly don't listen. So they are regularly frustrated. There is that prophetic tension that I'm going to tell you is a real part of this gift that is something you've got to have learned to deal with as part of the training program. How do you learn to deal with that frustration and not get mad at people? And not try and worm your way into authority. Not trying to usurp authority. How do you do that? That's part of the training for someone with this gift. Uh, becoming a patient discouraged. 
And then what I call prophetic despondency. Um, in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 10, um, Jezebel says to uh, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. And, uh, and he runs. And he goes into hiding, and he starts whining to God. I mean, he becomes despondent. And he says stuff like this. All your people are rotten. I'm the only good one. And uh, they've taken out all your prophets, and now they're after me. And, you know, this is terrible. And he's whining, and he's griping to God. He gets in this place of real despondency. And by the way, this is right after he just called down fire out of heaven. I mean, it's crazy. Except that, except that oftentimes people with the prophetic gift are, are given to this despondency. Part of it is this sense of loneliness. Part of it is this sense of regular rejection that they have to deal with. And, and, and so, but, but here's what I want to Let me just give you some references real quick. I'm going to stop. 1 Kings 19, 1 to 10. Then Romans 11, 2 to 4. In Romans 11, 2 through 4, Paul refers to this, this, this story of Elijah. He says, haven't you read about, heard about how Elijah, listen to me now, made intercession against the people of God? As a prophet, he had a direct line to God, especially in the Old Testament that was unusual. And when he started griping and complaining and running down the people of God, Paul said he made intercession against them. In his complaints to God about how rotten the church is, God considered that intercession against his people. And if you go back to 1 Kings 10, 11 to 16, he's griping about the people of God, and God shows up and says, I'll tell you what to do. Why don't you go, this guy king, this guy this, and anoint Elisha to be prophet in your place because you're done. And that is the beginning of the end of his place as chief prophet in Israel. Because God didn't want you interceding against his people. So you have to be careful in that place of despondent. You see something that's true, man, this church is so messed up. You better be careful how you take that to God. Because he loves them. And Jesus died for them. And he is a redemptive God. So you've got to be careful how you handle what you see now you talk to God about it. I'm going to stop there. We'll pick up here uh, next time. Real quick, anybody, anything you want to ask about or talk about? Any questions before, before we stop? Well, we're actually, we're, I'm stopping, but any questions? If you've got a question, I want to give you a chance to ask it. Yes, ma'am. That's part of it. It's foretelling or it's foretelling. It, foretelling is simply declaring, you know, uh, I really feel like God is pleased. That's a, that's a prophetic, you know, it's just expressing the heart of God, the mind of God, the desire of God, the will of God. That's the foretelling side of it. And then prophecy, uh, uh, predictive is the foretelling. They're both part of the same gift. And, and either, either are accurate. Anything else? I don't I want you to leave if you got a question without asking it. Yeah, yeah, it is a lot, and 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 and, and Anita really likes how fast I talk. Uh, <laughs>
I told her I can absolutely talk faster than you can hear. So uh, um, let's, pr <laughs> let's pray and, and, and let's get out of here. Father, we love you, and we're, Lord, Lord, we really are excited about who you are and what you're up to and the fact that we have a, a place in it. Lord, we want to grow. We want, we want to get better. You don't have to be sick to get better. Lord, we want to, we want to get better at knowing you and walking in these things and bringing your kingdom into this world until Jesus brings it in all its fullness. And so, Lord, help us grow, help us understand, help us learn, help us step out in faith in these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys.